Hey guys, this is Mo Sider from the Detroit Weapons. You guys listen to Lockdown Red Wings. Your Locked On Red Wings, your daily podcast on the Detroit Red Wings. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Lockdown Red Wings podcast. Today is Wednesday, December 16th, 2020. I am your host, Detroit Sports Shutter, Nolan Bianchi. As always, I've got longtime Red Wings fan Ethan Smith, a.k.a. the Kidney Stone Kid, alongside with me uh, in the interview. We've got part two of our conversation with Jack from J Fresh Hockey, the analytics website, uh, the inventor of the famous analytics player cards, uh, and we go into a, just a little bit more about his season projections, why he thinks the Red Wings are going to take a little bit of a step forward, not much of a step forward, uh, why he's not as high on the Ottawa Senators as everybody else is, how the new division realignments could affect the standings as opposed to regular division realignments, as well as which players to watch for at the trade deadline this year, uh, the biggest value con- contracts on the Detroit Red Wings, just a whole lot of a good conversation, a very insightful conversation. So I definitely enjoyed it. I hope you guys too. Be sure to press that subscribe button. We're going to have Ted Coffin with the Detroit News back on for a TED Talk. I always love the TED Talks. Uh, Ted's just a silly guy. We have a silly goose time and then we all go home. So be sure to uh, tune in for that. The only way you can make sure that it's ready for you when you wake up in the morning on Friday is by pressing that subscribe button and quick before we jump into our conversation with Jay Fresh, just got to remind you guys to also give us a follow on Twitter at LO underscore Red Wings. We'll be posting polls. We post highlight clips, throwback videos. You want it. You got it. And it's all at LO underscore Red Wings. And now the interview with Jay Fresh. Fender off gives him the business. I just remember like the Tigers had a season uh, a couple years back. It was their... Like for, they won like six division titles in a row, and then they had a season where everything went wrong. They finished last in the last in their division for sure, and like bottom five in the MLB with like still, I mean, not a a good team by any means, but like still a not bad team. And I remember that off season, this feeling of like, listen, things cannot possibly be worse than they were last year because of all these like compounding things that just kind of spiraled on top of each other and built that snowball up as it continued to roll down the hill. And I kind of am, am of the belief I have been under of the belief over these last couple of weeks that that's something that the Detroit Red Wings uh, experienced last season. And and the next year after the Tigers, they fell to the basement. They, they came back and they were a game away from making the playoffs. Obviously, you know, the rebuild started the year after that. Things started to go downhill. But, like, they brought the same group back that performed marginally better. Uh, it, it was just that they had this horrendously unlucky year. Yeah. No, and, and, and you know what? Like, the thing is that, like, the teams are good in hockey right now. Like, they, you know, this isn't kind of 2015 when there were, like, six different teams that were all trying to tank. I mean, yeah, even at the yeah. bottom end of the league, like the Kings have, you know, they actually had pretty decent numbers last year, like the underlying numbers. They just couldn't score a goal. You know, there's theoretically a situation where they managed to actually pot some goals and, and be a little bit better. The Sharks, I mean, made the Eastern Conference final two years ago. 
you know, the Ducks added Shattenkirk and, you know, maybe their goaltending bounces back and they have a rookie of the year. I mean, if you look at kind of the teams that are projected for the bottom, like they all have kind of escape routes into the mix. You know, this isn't a situation where for the Red Wings to tank, they need to like put out an AHL roster. Like they can <laughs> still tank and compete every night and lose most of their games, but, you know, still kind of give the guys something to play for and, and maybe build something. And then I've always been kind of more in favor of that type of rebuilding than the like, let's just embarrass Taylor Hall for four years yeah. and, uh, and, and build like a, a hideous culture. And that's not necessarily something that I have like numbers behind, but, but it really just kind of, you know, from a human perspective, I think makes sense. And you really don't want to lock yourself in that situation because eventually when that happens, that's the, that's the part where you end up signing the bad contract. And if the Red Wings can just kind of like slowly, but deliberately build this thing up with kind of these bargain deals. And then, you know, by the time they're ready to compete, they actually have those guys who are ready to step in. That's a lot better way to do it than to just tank like a nightmare for five years, embarrass everybody, and then feel the need that you have to rush things along because your players are starting to get mad at you. Yeah, and I I even like kind of felt at the end of last season that a lot it's it's really interesting how last season their five game losing streaks turned to 13 game losing streaks. And I think that, you know, when you have one or two pieces and you can chip away, you can if you can stop the bleeding at 5 you probably won't lose your next six like, and, and maybe you will, but I think like winning one game out of that 13 gives you a better chance to win two games out of that 13 than winning zero games gives you a chance to win one. I don't know if that makes any sense when I say it out loud, but it kind of makes sense in my head. Yeah. I, I don't know. This, this isn't the kind of, there are people who do like analytic studies on stuff like this. That's not kind of, you know, I'm, I'm way a much bigger fan of the kind of, player and team evaluating part of analytics than the like let's break down the sport of hockey type yeah. analytics but yeah i mean you know i mean just just intuitively i mean you know we can think of past experiences of teams that have done like a hideous uh tank and then have just kind of locked themselves into mediocrity at best afterwards and, and i don't think the red wings want to be anywhere near that you know i think they'd much rather be the leafs where they have kind of the one year of pain and then they try to you know, make a couple of little smart moves that get themselves back into the mix. And then, and then a couple of years later, they're ready to go. And, uh, and hopefully, you know, that's what the Red Wings will be able to do. And, you know, I like Iserman so far, I think has made mostly the right moves and, uh, you know, hopefully some draft capital will, will fall in a way that's, that's nice to them. And they start to pick up some more kind of marquee pieces that can move them into the next phase of this thing. Is there anything about this team's depth that sticks out to you? Uh, I, I, other than, I don't think it's very good. Uh, you know, I, I mean, I, I, am not too familiar with the Red Wings prospects cause I, I'm not, I'm admittedly not much of a prospects guy. And, and as tempting as it would be for me to talk out of my ass about it, I'm going to resist <laughs> the temptation. Uh, Thank with, you. With, any, with, with any team like this, you always hope that they can start to kind of move on from some of the, some of the older players and start to get young guys in there. Uh, I, I, you know, I, people who I've talked to have said stuff about like, you know, they move Glenn Denning and then get one of the forwards in the lineup and, or maybe Nemeth moves to the deadline. And, and the, some of the, the defenseman prospects can get a bit more of a chance, but yeah, I, I mean, you know, like the Red Wings are still, are still not a good team. Like in my projections and everything, 
you know, like I'm looking at their depth and like their, their bottom six lines are still kind of all among the worst in the league, you mm-hmm. know, for their given kind of units. But again, it's not as bad as last year. And, and those projections also kind of do factor in how they performed last year, which if it's like an, an, an extraordinary aberration, you might actually see them do a little bit better this year. And, and I think that would be good for everybody. All right, we'll get back to the interview in just a second. But first, we've got to talk to you guys today about Built Go. Uh, whether it's physical or whether it's mental, breakthrough with Go every day. And Built, uh, Built Go wants to know, Ethan, what is your wall? Uh, my wall is about 5.30 when I get out of work, and it's already night, and I have to drive home. I can certainly understand that. Driving home sucks. So There are times where I, when I had to make that commute, I would fall asleep in my car. But luckily... Built Go makes it so I don't fall asleep in my car on my drive home. It's like a fiber energy without the same crash feeling. Plus, it is natural, so it's better for the body. It's like drinking a monster drink with a third of the caffeine and much better results. How does Built Go work so well, you asked? Well, I'll tell you. Built Go combines energy gel with collagen protein, which promotes joint, soft tissue, hair, and skin health. This stuff literally makes you look better, folks. Plus, it gets into my system fast because it's fast-absorbing. And it is easy on the stomach. Built Go is loaded with good stuff to ignite my work. They've got beta alanine, B3, honey, and a kick of caffeine. Built Go then keep, kicks me to keep me going strong with B6 and B12, 10,000% of your daily value uh, in each of those things. Just go to BuiltGo.com right now and use promo code LOCKED. You'll get 20% off of your next order. That's promo code LOCKED for 20% off at BuiltGo.com. Let's go. There's an old man sitting next to me, making love to his tonic and gin. <laughs> I've also, I also have a theory too, and I, this probably falls in line with the things that you just said you don't know much about and you can't really necessarily speak to. But I've always just wondered too, like what effect it has on the first line uh, when lines two through four can't, literally can't score. Uh, generally speaking, I would say it, it forces them to do things that have bad consequences at the other end of the ice. Uh, I think Edmonton can kind of give some indication of what's happened here where they've kind of have gotten Connor McDavid and, and Leon Dreisaitl into a bit of a habit of kind of going for broke offensively at the expense of defense. Uh, and, and that's one of the reasons that McDavid's defensive numbers are among, if not the worst in the NHL is because I think that because he's for so long was kind of cast into you are the only guy on this roster who can score, please go get us a goal, uh, that he's, he's kind of gotten into the habit of that. And even now that they do have other lines that can score, that's the way that he likes to play and that's the way that he's going to play. So, you know, anything that the Red Wings can do to make sure that the Larkin line doesn't kind of become that unit, I think will be good. And, and hopefully, uh, you know, there's rumors of them getting Tyler Johnson uh, you know, Zadina is, you know, developing and hopefully can be an impact player. Like anything that they can do to really build up something that could resemble scoring depth will probably lighten the load on those top forwards and kind of give them the opportunity to play more all around rather than just going for broke on every shift. All right. We are here with Jack from J fresh hockey. Go check him out on Patreon. I just got one or two more questions before we wrap this thing up. And Jack, thank you so much for your time today. We have really enjoyed this conversation. Um, one of the things that I, I kind of wanted to get into was your, your projections list. I 
for this season. Obviously, it has been impacted a little bit by the fact that the uh, divisions became realigned, but the Red Wings, in your projection, won't be the worst team in the league this year. They're projected to be tied for second to last, which is a massive, massive win. That's a wins increase of like 13, which is sweet. Uh, What do you not like about the Ottawa Senators, though? Because they're last, and I think the Ottawa Senators are kind of a team that a lot of people are pegging as a dark horse to maybe make a run. Uh, Nothing too crazy, but at least get into the playoffs, possibly. Sure. So, so basically where I am with the center. So, you know, how I said earlier that, that the thing that the Red Wings needed to do was cut out the dead weight and just fill them with competent NHL players mm. and, and they would be much better. The thing the senators did was that they acquired worse players than the ones that they had before on top of having lost all their best players at the deadline last year. And, and that is pretty much where that projection comes from. <laughs> I think. The thing is, I think people kind of think of the senators as a team that improved over the off season you know, they got like Matt Murray and they drafted, you know, the Tim Stutzel and Jake Sanderson and, and you know, things are going to be great for them. But the, the thing is that, you know, the Senators weren't as bad as people expected last year, but they weren't as bad as people expected last year because of guys who they traded away at the deadline or didn't mm-hmm. resign. Like, like Jean-Gabriel Paget was exceptional last year for them. Like he was a number one center for them. Uh, Dylan DeMello had an excellent year in their top four. Uh, Anthony Duclair was kind of the only guy on that team scoring goals for a while. And, uh, you know, Ron Hainsey wasn't exceptional, but he at least kind of did the Ron Hainsey thing. Uh, and all those guys are, are not coming back. Some of them were traded at the deadline. Some of them weren't resigned. And the guys that they brought in with the exception of Dadanoff are not guys that I would want to have in an NHL lineup. Uh, I, I am not an Austin Watson fan. I'm not an Eric Goodbranson fan by any means. Uh, Alex Galchenyuk has been horrible since that that unfortunate injury that he had in Montreal. And, uh, you know, Matt Murray, you know, I'm, I'm not saying this from kind of a <laughs> personal perspective as a Penguins fan, because I have a soft spot for Murray, uh, as anybody would have for a goalie who brought their team to Stanley Cups. But he was objectively the worst goal, the worst starting goalie in the NHL last year. You know, Howard wasn't technically a starter, so we won't put him in that category. Yeah. <laughs> but but uh, he was terrible. He was awful. And the Penguins were actually a pretty good defensive team for most of that year. And Murray was a liability and ended up losing his job to essentially an AHL goalie, like a guy who had never played significant minutes, to the extent that the Penguins traded him. And people are kind of penciling in Murray as though he's going to be this brilliant starter and such an upgrade on Anderson. But, you know, and, and in terms of how the model sees it, it, it doesn't see it that way. It sees Murray as a potential liability. Now, goaltending, as I said, is, is pretty random. And Murray has had a tendency to kind of veer back and forth. But at the same time, he's going to be facing a lot harder chances, you know, especially in terms of kind of side-to-side movement that he's used to in Pittsburgh. And, uh, you know, I, I think penciling him in as a great starter is, is a bit of a stretch. So I just see kind of a team that is young and has a little bit of upside there. But when it comes to rookies, you never know what you're going to get with that. And there are some guys who might be not even close to NHL ready who might be forced into that lineup. And the guys they brought in just, they did the opposite of what Detroit did. Detroit got the discount guys who were good players with good track records and Ottawa brought in guys who have been horrible. And uh, that's really the difference. So good news for Detroit, you know, Ottawa fans, they can be optimistic and, and maybe I'll be proven wrong, but not, not a fan at all of what they did this offseason. Last guy to play in this period. 
Fair enough. We uh, before we wrap this up, I feel like we should give you the opportunity to celebrate your biggest win of the offseason. How did it feel to get rid of Jack Johnson off that blue line? It, it was pretty special. I, I kind of had a feeling that it was coming <laughs> after a little while. I think people were uh, pe- people were understandably being kind of downers about it because they played him so much in the playoffs. Uh, but it, you know, they kind of made a couple of signings that made me think that, that he might be on the way out. And uh, yeah, I mean, it was just, you know, it really just changes things for the penguins in kind of even greater way that you might kind of expect, you know, you think, Oh, they got rid of a bottom pairing defenseman who cares. But if you really break down the numbers, like the impact that he had, especially on Sidney Crosby, it's just unbelievable. Like, like I kind of expressed it this way in terms of like on ice goal differential and things like that, like, when Crosby was on the ice without Jack Johnson, it was like the Tampa Bay Lightning were on the ice. And when Crosby was on the ice with Jack Johnson, it was the Detroit Red Wings. And like, that is not an exaggeration. Like the goals for percentages, like line up almost exactly. So just getting rid of Jack Johnson and then kind of cutting the, off the anchor is, is going to do huge things. And, and it wouldn't surprise me to see kind of a big bounce back year for, for Sid and maybe some of the Penguins other players just as a pure function of not having him on the roster. So was very happy about that. I don't mean to be a, a downer, but also that move came with the uh, signing of Cody Cece. Do, will Mike Matheson beat him out for that number six? Are you guys going to be doing oh, no, the same thing all over again with Cody Cece? No, they're, they're going to be a pair. It's going to be, an, it's going to be an adventure, but you know, it'll, it'll be Matheson on the left side and Cece on the right side. And uh, it, it won't be as bad. It will be kind of the way I'm expecting is that it's going to be like that, schultz johnson pair but like just a much less egregious version of that so still not something you'd like to have on your team but uh what can you really do all right well uh go check him out on patreon it's just two dollars a month for the base subscription five dollars for the above replacement level subscription and ten dollars for that jack johnson special which is actually a lot better than it sounds uh where can people find you on twitter jack so it's at JFresh Hockey. Uh, I tweet there way too much, especially because I'm in quarantine right now. So not a lot going on Perfect. for me other than what's within the the four walls of my house. And uh, yeah, and then I, and then if you want to kind of read my my writing, you know, my my kind of deep dive breakdowns that bring together kind of the game tape with the stats and things like that, uh, you can go on jfresh.substack. And actually, also uh, next week I will be releasing a collection of 18 of those deep dive player breakdowns as well as some kind of inclu- exclusive content. And that will be on sale uh, on, on Gumroad. I'll have it up soon for $5 and up. And uh, every cent of that will be going towards the Phoenix House charity here in Halifax. So if that's something that interests you, it's a great cause. And uh, it would be really great to, to have you donate that money. Absolutely, it does. That's, uh, that's terrific stuff, Jack. We definitely appreciate you having on you coming on the show. Let us know when that becomes available. We'll make sure to get it out to our listeners uh, so that they can, can get involved with that as well. But thank you so much for your time today, man. Hopefully we can talk to you later on down the road. Maybe the Red Wings, maybe, maybe like in March, we'll check in with you and we'll be like, holy crap, right. this is amazing. Yeah. And you're like, or, well, or, not or really, when, but you know. Or when the Red Wings are like six and 25 and yeah. you can <laughs> come on every single thing I said about Troy Stetcher. You're Locked On Red Wings, your daily podcast on the Detroit Red Wings, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. 
your team every day.